This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 177, Your Life Insurance Business Line of Credit with Sari Ibrahim. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. How long is 27 days for you? What can happen in just 27 days? If you're a business owner, what is 27 days of income? What does that amount of income mean for you? According to a JP Morgan study, half of all businesses could only last 27 days without income flowing in. Otherwise, they'd have to shut down, shutter their doors, close down that important business on the corner of your town. So if you're a business owner, listen up. We've got some incredible content we're going to cover today. Even if you're not a business owner, I think these tools, tips, and strategies can help you weather any storm, whether it's two days, 27 days, or 200 days as we enter into this brave new world that we're all living in today. I've brought on a very special guest. He's a repeating guest. He's also one of the Lake Growth Associates and again, a bank on yourself professional, Sari Ibrahim. Sari is a colleague of mine, someone I respect greatly. He's an expert as a financial professional. He focuses his expertise on working with clients who want to grow their wealth and protect it from creditors and predators. Sari really connects well with professionals who have assets to protect, and he's there to help develop strategies for them. But what's so unique about Sari is that he brings to the table tactics that aren't typically known to financial planners, investors, or attorneys. So with that introduction, we're going to cover quite a bit of ground focused on business solutions and giving you as a business owner some strategies and tips to making your business thrive, not just past 27 days, but well into the following months and years to come, no matter if it's bad times or good. So with that introduction, I hope you'll enjoy this wide ranging conversation about business solutions with Sari Ibrahim. Sari, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mark, thank you so much for having me on. Hey, well, you know, you, you've already been a, you've been a long-standing, regular revolutionary of our podcast, and you have been going nuts telling the world about Bank on Yourself. I think last month you were on 23 other podcast shows. First of all, tell me, what's that like? Well, um, it's, first of all, it's awesome just talking to different hosts and, and meeting a lot of people. It's really cool. And especially now with like COVID not being able to go to different places, you know, it's, it's almost like I am traveling the country, talking to people, even traveling the world. Like I've been on shows with people in Australia and New Zealand, in the UK. So that's, it's awesome. It's fun. And of course, it's a really nice way to kind of spread the message about the bank on yourself concept, the bank on yourself strategy and how it's, it's helping people. And I'm enjoying sharing these experiences with people all over the world. Well, tell me about what people experience when you share some of these life-changing, eye-opening, counterintuitive, not-so-average financial strategies. Do you get dismay? Do you get pushback? Do you get just jaw-dropping excitement? Talk us through some of your experiences uh, as you're being interviewed by all these uh, incredible hosts around the country and the world. Most of them are actually surprised. They didn't see it coming. They, they always say something like, yeah, I knew 
you know, life insurance was something that you have in your business. Sometimes it's something that you kind of have in your life, but they didn't think it was this powerful. Well, so you mentioned business. How can bank on yourself type policies be used for business purposes? It could solve more than one problem at the same time. Some of the problems I've seen are, you know, three of them uh, to be, to be exact. One of the major struggles for small business owners is, is retaining employees because there's a lot of competition and not just competition for clients, but competition for employees as well. So you, you imagine you have been training this employee and then they, they leave after you know, a, a couple a number of years. So one solution you could do is you can have a bank on yourself type whole life policy also could be applied as a key person policy that's owned by the business. The employee, your key, your key person employee would be the insured and the business would also be the beneficiary. And then you could say to the employee, that if you stay with us for 10 years, then we will turn the policy over to you. You would be the owner of the policy. The policy could be paid up in 10 years. So there wouldn't be any further contributions needed. And then you would be able to change the beneficiary from the company to a beneficiary of your own, of your own. an incentive for the employee to stay now for 10 years. They could almost guarantee that the employee will stay for 10 years now. And if the employee doesn't, then the company can keep the policy. They can keep insuring the employee. They can keep the cash. And then it brings it to the next point of it being cash reserves, part of the cash reserves for the business. In uh, March, 2020, right at the beginning of the pandemic, Business Insider wrote an article that said that half of all small businesses can only last for 27 days without any income at all, without any revenue at all can last 27 days. And they got those results from uh, an from an analysis done by JP Morgan Chase on 597,000 businesses in the year 2015. The JP Morgan found out that only half of all small business owners can go 27 days without any income at all. And wow. of course, it, yeah. So, so businesses need cash reserves and that brings it to the point of having a bank on yourself type whole life policy because it is a cash vehicle. There is cash in the policy and it's, it is an asset on the balance sheet. So it could be used as a form of cash reserves in times that are rough and times that are hard for the business, the business can go to itself for its own line of credit and for its own savings at, at the same time. And then the third problem with a business being sellable. Now, a lot of small business owners are initially in a position to sell or they want to sell because that's their source of income. But I think that even if they don't want to sell, their business should still be sellable. It should be positioned in a way, and most businesses are not positioned to be sellable because there's so much involvement with the business owner, but that's a separate topic. And this is more about the financial side to it. And, and I think that having the whole life policy sitting on the balance sheet of the business makes the business more sellable and it adds a specific number to the, the value of the business. So if the business has $100,000 in cash value and the business is worth a you know, million dollars, it would be safe to assume that you can value that business now at $1.1 million. And you can justify that now, meaning that the, the whole life policy and the cash reserves in it could, could justify some of the value of the business. It could prove the value of the business. And so here we are, we'll say we could do all, we could solve all three of these problems with one bank on yourself type whole life policy. Man, that's fantastic. There's probably an episode on each of the just uh, the jam-packed topics you just brought up there. Let's start with the third one. Uh, selling our business. Everyone in business, every entrepreneur, whether you're a, a side gig, um, side business, part-time or a full-time CEO or business investor with multiple employees or hundreds of employees, 
whatever your role as a business owner, there is an exit ramp off of your business at some point in the future. Whether you want it or not, someday we will all exit the business that you started or are running as, as of today. So the question is, what is in control of that exit ramp? Are you going to be in control or are you going to go careening off the side of the highway when you least expect it? So you just said that a whole life policy can help us with the sale of the business. Can you walk us through that one more time? I'd like to also explore what that uh, might mean for some of our business owner uh, audience members. Yeah, definitely. Right. So when, when a business is being sold, there's pretty much two important things that the new buyer is looking at. They're looking at current assets and they're looking at cash flow. And one, and depending on the industry that it's in and depending on the type of business, one might be more favorable than the other. But the whole life policy now is, is, a, is an asset on the balance sheet. And it also, on top of that, there's also growth within it. It's not just money that's sitting there. It's money that's sitting there with a mutual insurance company that's been around for over 160 years, earning dividends and compound interest. And of course, dividends aren't guaranteed, but we only work with insurance companies who have been paying dividends for over 160 years. So now you as a new business owner are going to come in and buy this as a new, as a buyer, you're going to come in and buy this business that has this whole life policy that's backed by an insurance company that's been around for over 106 years. So there's a lot of certainty to that cash that you're taking over. And of course, the way that it's functioned within the business of how the business uses it. Man, that's fantastic. And you're right. It's very difficult to value a business, especially if the business owner himself or herself is leaving because oftentimes the business owner provides a great deal of value to that business. So if you're the buyer of said business, it's really great and nice to know that there is a locked in guaranteed asset on the balance sheet, as you said, of that business of half a million or 2 million or whatever the cash value is at the time of sale of the business to help verify and underwrite the value of that business that you're buying. So it's just a great peace, peaceful, sleep well at night kind of moment when you, as the buyer of that business, know that there's some underlying assets that don't go up and down with um, the market or with it's, it's, it's more valuable, more tangible than say the goodwill valuation of a brand, let's say. Mm -hmm. uh, and then as the seller of that business, it's also really nice because as a seller of a business, guys, most business owners, the vast majority of you guys, me included, uh, the vast majority of your net worth is tied up in your business. Uh, and it's, it's oftentimes for a lot of business owners, the only asset in your portfolio. I don't hear a lot of people who start their small side business and a 401k gets dropped out of the sky. No, <laughs> that's not usually how it goes, right, Sari? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, typically the asset uh, that's the largest makeup of their portfolio is their business. And many times that business is a volatile asset. It's very uh, speculative whether you will succeed or fail as a business owner. I hate to say it. I wish we yeah. all succeeded, but it's a risky asset to have in your balance sheet. So by adding the safety of a cash value whole life insurance policy designed the bank on yourself way, it's got massive cash value there that the business can fall back on and provide some sort of predictable valuation as the seller of a business. If I'm about to retire, it's a great way to add a kind of golden parachute uh, when I leave the business. So that's fantastic. So give me some idea of how corporate owned life insurance works uh, and, and why do they have corporate owned? Why do these major corporations and small businesses, you don't have to be, you know, mega bank or mega mm -hmm. corporation. Why do banks and mega corporations uh, and small businesses have 
cash value life insurance. What's the value there? I think it's because that every business wants to reinvest every penny they have back into the business. But at the same time, they need a safety net. They need a way to retain their profits, to retain some of their money. Because when you don't do it that way, when you have no cash, you're pretty much working for your business and not the other way around. Your business Mm -hmm. should be working for you. Your money should be working for you. But if you constantly keep reinvesting every penny back into your business, you put yourself at a, at a volatile point where what if your business is at stake now? Now you have no cash. But again, it, no business wants large amounts of cash sitting in a boring business account, not earning any interest at all, exposed to inflation and other types of risks. So that's why they use whole life insurance, because it kind of addresses numerous needs and numerous wants at the same time. That, I think, is the number one reason why they use whole cash value whole life insurance. Well, and, and it's been around for well over 100 years, corporate-owned life insurance. Uh, it originated actually in 19th century Russia, where feudal serfs were buying and selling property uh, to the, by the rich, and uh, you know, they would actually be a part of that sale of property. But now it's, uh, it's much more nuanced and complex, and it becomes a part of the safe capital reserve for these major companies and banks as well. And yeah, it's, it's think of it almost like a, you know, secret backdoor to a bank. Uh, when banks stop lending, this is still a way to get a line of credit to your business. Uh, you know, I've, I own my policies personally, uh, full disclosure here, uh, but I can allow my business access to my cash value since I, you know, I'm kind of a, the banker to my business. You might say I have the line of credit to my business and my business, I'm not going to turn it down for a loan. That'd be kind of foolish of me. Uh, So it's a way when banks stop lending for me to have ready access to large sums of cash to make me and my business more competitive. And then on the flip side, when the uh, loan is outstanding, I give my business as much leeway as I need it to have to pay my loan off. And uh, it's just a great way to pay off policy loans through business profits. And by the way, just so happens you can avoid payroll tax on your, uh, now talk to your accountant about this, but you can avoid the self-employment tax uh, and payroll tax when you're paying yourself a distribution from your business. Still have to pay uh, the self-employment tax, but you can avoid payroll taxes when you give yourself a distribution as an S-corp and uh, use that distribution pipeline to pay off policy loans. Just a great way to use your business uh, line of credit to your business anytime you need it. So liquidity, you brought that up. That's awesome. Thank you for that. And the first one was employee retention. Now I want to make a distinction. There's kind of two types of ways to put policies on your employees. One is for the benefit of the employee, which is called executive bonus type policies, uh, sometimes referred to as you know a 162 plan. And then there's a key man or key person policy which is where the business itself owns a life insurance policy on the employee. And there's value for both of those. One is where they benefit and one is where the business benefits. And most of the time I've noticed businesses will do both at the same time. So they'll put some money where the employee gets to access the cash value. We'll call that an executive bonus 162A plan. Long titles here. And then the second is where the business itself keeps the cash. It's owned by the business. The business is actually even the beneficiary of that policy. The employee is simply the insured. It's just he's he or she is just the insured. This is called a key person policy. So I'll talk through each of these 
uh, for solutions for business owners, because we do quite a bit on both sides of the fence here. The first is a way to keep or retain your employees. This is a way for employees to feel like they're getting a bonus. In fact, they really are getting a bonus uh, where you pay the premium for this cash value, dividend paying, bank on yourself designed whole life policy. And the employee gets access to the cash value for things that he or she might need, whether it's you know, going on vacation or buying a new car or helping send their kid to college, or of course their own retirement someday. Now, as the business owner, you get some sort of rights and you can write this into a contract where they have to stick around for a few years, the employee does, uh, before they get full access to all of the cash value. You're able to do this in a way that sort of encourages that employee to stick around. Uh, think of it kind of like a vesting schedule if you're familiar with how that works as a 401k. But unlike a 401k, again, we like to be not so average around here. Uh, the average 401k, you you're stuck. The employee really can't touch that money or they're taxed and penalized in the 401k. But with a life insurance cash value, um, you're able to touch and use and recycle that cash value in and out, in and out of the policy as the employee um, throughout your working years. You can be 29 and a half, 49 and a half, or 59 and a half, and you get that cash value whenever you need for any reason. So the employer pays the premiums and the employee gets to access that as a, it's just an additional payment or bonus to the employee and another way to sort of incentivize that employee to stick around. So that's called a um, executive bonus life insurance policy. They're bonused an extra cash value on top of maybe their pension or their 401k. Now I'll get off my high horse here, but uh, I'll wrap up with the key person policies. This is where the business looks at Susie Smith over here, and she's absolutely a rock star for the business. She's very valuable to the business's success, and they could even count on seven fingers exactly how many digits they'd lose if Susie were to leave or pass away. Uh, so she's like a million-dollar asset to this business, and you better believe the, insur the insurance uh, would go to the business in this case. So this is on the other side of the fence. They call this a key person policy, where Susie is the insured, but the business is the owner uh, and the beneficiary of that policy. What this means is the business pays the premiums, the business keeps the cash value and can use that cash value for anything the business might need. You know, maybe the business needs to invest in some inventory or they need to you know, invest in some real estate. The business itself is the owner and the payer of the policy. And if she should pass away, even if she's left and retired and many years have passed since she worked there, the business can retain the status, status of being the beneficiary of this policy. So if she does pass away now or in the future, that would be a big windfall to the business as a way to sustain and, and even help accelerate the growth of that business. So uh, I'm off my high horse. Anything I missed there, Sari, that you want to chime in on? No, that was well said. I can't even beat that. <laughs> well, uh, get, <laughs> talk to me about how that might impact the survivability, if that's a word. And yeah. just the competitive nature of a business. If you had one or two or three of these factors in your business, what would that do? How would that change uh, a business's outcomes? Yeah, yeah. The competitive part. That's really important because um, think about it. If 10 businesses are going to one bank, all for lines of credits and personal loans and different loans, and that bank changes their requirements because of some market conditions or because we're in a recession of, of lending, and let's say that one out of those 10 businesses has implemented the bank on yourself strategy and they've structured the business so that way they can become their own source of financing. 
then that business essentially would win at that time period because they're not in the same mix as the other businesses and they're not on the same boat, of course. You know, it's like a sinking boat, but you're not on the same boat as those other people. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's what happened in 2008, right? Banks stopped lending. And especially in the real estate world, a lot of real estate investors had a, have a system and they still do till today where they'll buy a property and then refinance from it, buy another property, refinance. And now they have all their eggs with the banks essentially. And when things go downward, um, they have the equity tied up in their houses and their portfolios and banks aren't available to lend and they might have to go to other options like hard money or private money, or they might have to sell at much lower rates because either way, whether you sell or you borrow against the properties, it's based off of the market value. So if market value goes down, then the price that you can sell and the price you can borrow at goes down, but not with whole life insurance though. Whole yeah. life insurance is the only way that you have compound, in, uh, compound interest, compound appreciation over time, regardless of market conditions, regardless of how real estate does, of how the stock market does, of how unemployment does, of how any other factor does, whole life insurance tends to increase in value. And then when you have that within your business, of course, it will give you an edge over your, your competitors. So that's awesome, Sari. Thank you. So um, as we kind of wrap up, I have a few very quick kind of rapid fire questions. Um, so what's your biggest frustration when talking to business owners uh, regarding their own financial future? My biggest frustration is when people love the, the, they love this, the business owners, they love everything we are talking about. And then when it comes time to execute, they say, you know, this is all really good, but I'm going to hold off on this insurance thing for now. And, and I, and, and I want to be respectful of, her, of other people, you know, and, and, resp- and not take anything personally, you know, um, and, and pretty much, but I want to say the reason why we're having this conversation is because of your, your financial success and your financial future, you know, and since we're talking about compound interest, compound interest is better, you know, yesterday, it's better in the the past, you know, because of how it compounds and how it grows over time. So it doesn't necessarily make sense to wait 10 years until you can start earning compound interest when you could use it. And again, we're not talking about becoming an insurance expense or tying up money that you could otherwise use for other purposes. We're talking about using your money, your own money and keeping your own money and still growing interest on your own money. That's so true. You know, there's an old phrase, if you understand the concept, the details don't matter. And if you don't understand the concept, the details don't matter. (laughs) And when someone says to you, hey, you know, I just, I'm going to pass on this insurance thing. It reveals to me, and if that's their words, you know, I'm going to pass on this insurance thing. It reveals to me that they didn't get the concept because what they heard was insurance. Mm -hmm. But what we've been just talking about for the last half hour Yes, we're using the chassis, the financial vehicle is life insurance, but you've been describing the hinges on a door (laughs) to help us enter into a brand new reality as a business owner, but as a person too. So if someone says, I'm going to pass on the hinges on my door, uh, what they're saying is I would rather stay trapped in my room (laughs) than to break free. And, you know, so for, for all those listening who are still trying to decide about this insurance thing. Let me just remind you, this is not primarily, although it is using life insurance, and yes, there is a nice death benefit, and I've yet to meet anybody who has refused those death benefit dollars when they, you know, when they are given to them, and it finally and ultimately is a life insurance contract. It is also a cash flow management system, isn't it, Zeri? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know, if, if life insurance couldn't do all these things, I probably wouldn't be involved in this business. I'm, yeah, I'm using, double that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm using it because of what it could do, not because of the title of it. You know? Right. Yep. Yep. I don't need a, um, I don't need a putter. I need to get my golf ball in that hole over there. As long as it gets the job done, that's what we're on to. So awesome. Sari, thank you for your great work here. What are some things that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Uh, any ways that they can reach out to you as well? Yeah, they can go to uh, my website for a free consultation. It's finassetprotection.com. And most of my appointments are virtual. So we can jump on Zoom or over the phone. Um, and you can go to finassetprotection.com. And also I will... Um, if you reach out and you say you came from Mark's podcast, I will send you a free copy of the Bank on Yourself Revolution via Kindle. Just reach out to me for, free, for a free consultation and then I'll email you via Kindle um, the book. All right. So that's uh, Frank India Nancy, F I N, finassetprotection.com. All right. Thank you very much for all your help, Sari, and uh, keep on uh, with all the great work you're doing. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you, Sari, for coming on our show again and for delivering such powerful content to our audience. You always bring it, man, and I appreciate you doing it once again today. Now, I really took some notes during our conversation today. I hope you did too. One of my big notes and takeaways was that there are really three problems in the typical business that I uh, that Sari comes across, and to be honest, I see too. One, it's keeping good quality employees that are valuable to you. How do you do that? How do you incentivize them to work for you instead of your competitor down the street? The second is having massive cash on hand. That 27 days statistic really stuck with me. That half of all business owners would have only 27 days without income before they'd have to shutter their business. That to me just makes my bones rattle a little bit. And then third, whole life insurance adds money as an asset on the balance sheet of your business. It makes you more valuable too when you sell your business. That was just so cool. I love that he said that, that concept of the asset on the balance sheet of your business. Makes all the difference in the world when you're needing a traditional bank loan to walk in. You look more favorable to regular banks when you've got a big fat whole life cash value. But ultimately our goal is to become your own source of financing and the policy helps you do that as well. Now, when you're the buyer of a business and you see a big juicy cash value, it's a more valuable business to you as the buyer. And when you're the seller of that same business and you've smartly set up a bank on yourself type whole life policy inside your business, that cash is part of your possible golden parachute. You can walk away from your business, take the policy with you, and it then becomes a stream of income for you in your retirement years. So as we wrap up to get together today, I want to remind you guys to join our membership site. It's a not your average financial community. If you're tired of the back and forth arguments on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other ones, if you're tired of snoopers and sneakers peeking into your conversations and privacy concerns, check out our Not Your Average community, which is really being built from the ground up with you, our financial revolutionaries in mind. I believe on that site, we've had so many people tell me what a great space it's been for them to explore and develop a financial strategy that they can count on to meet other people who are also along for the ride and along for the journey in their financial meeting their financial goals. So I believe that that's one of the best things you can do as we kick off the first half of 2021 and beyond, no matter what time you're listening to this, it's always a good time to involve others in a financial tribe that will help your goals be achievable.
You can do this by going to notyouraverage.mn.co. It's a free access point. We do have uh, private groups and paid for courses and more inside, but it's a free group to join and you're welcome to join. We'd love to have you to teach you more and to help you implement more of these not so average financial strategies. So check that out at notyouraverage.mn.co. And thank you, Sari. And of course, thank you, my wonderful revolutionary listeners, for joining me for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.